Aristotle once said, in every act of doing, we are becoming. Every day, all of us make choices that shape and form us into the people that we are and the people that we are becoming. I'm your producer, Michael Moffat, and I want to welcome you to the Arete Way, a podcast dedicated to helping you become excellent in all that you do. Our hosts today are Walter and Stacy Nussbaum. Stacy, good to have you back on the show. Thank you. You've been uh, gone a couple weeks. I have. It's good to be back. Yeah. You know, we had a couple great shows. We did one with John Sardina, talked about uh, fitness and wellness and uh, eating healthy and the plant diet and all those things mm-hmm. that he's such a an expert at. And then last week we had um, Kevin Roden. You know mm-hmm. Kevin. Yes, Kevin's great. Yeah. So we talked about excellence and the good society and had a really great conversation. In fact, we're going to definitely be bringing Kevin back again just to kind of go a little deeper on some of what we talked yeah, about. Yeah, that's that, a great idea. You know, today you and I thought about this, like we thought, gosh, what, what, what do we want to do today that would be really helpful and practical for people? And, you know, I was thinking, you know, if you go back to high school and you think about, man, if you could make one class mandatory uh, for all students before they graduate high school, that's not already mandatory. I was thinking, gosh, there's mm-hmm. so many classes I think would be valuable. You know, mm-hmm. like, like what's a class? Think about it. What's a class that you think should be a mandatory class for all high school students to take at least a semester of, if not more, that would be really valuable for them? Uh, we just talked about this recently, and I think there's several that I could think of that would have been incredibly valuable as a high school student. Uh, looking back, one is money management. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I could have learned a lot about money management <laughs> as a high school student. How many of us have learned the yeah. hard way through money management, right? Sadly. Yeah. Sadly. And uh, gosh, just life 101. And then I'm um, getting along with people. What does it mean to really not just get along with people, but really be effective with people and all kinds of people, not just yeah. people that are like you? Yeah, I think that's right. You know, I, was, I made a little list myself. I thought, you know, critical thinking skills. I think a class where students mm-hmm. have to take a have to really think about being a critical mm-hmm. thinker. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin and I talked about that last time on our last podcast, just the importance of being able to uh, mm-hmm. look at your own beliefs and, and mm-hmm. suspend them and look at them critically, mm-hmm. being able to appreciate the beliefs and thoughts of others. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really important mm-hmm. one. I think ethics mm-hmm. uh, today is really important to really talk about the good mm-hmm. and how do you produce a good society. But I agree with you. I think, gosh, a class on being an effective communicator, interpersonal mm-hmm. um, uh, effectiveness with people. I mean, we do this every day, mm-hmm. right? And uh, this is such an important subject. And so, you know, you and I have spent years studying social styles. Mm-hmm. I mean, how great would that be if a class spent an entire semester just talking about things like social styles? Oh, I think it'd be a tremendous help uh, for young people, just understanding themselves better, understanding people that are different, um, I think that it would help them to advance the ball more quickly Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to just life and um, finding a career, finding a relationship. Um, Yeah, overall, it would be such a huge help. You look back at, I mean, I knew you in high school. You look back at even just friendships and Mm -hmm. sensitivities that you had um, Mm -hmm. because of friendships, teachers. Uh, coaches, all these things, they all had their own unique personality. And because you don't know much about them, mm-hmm. it's easy just to, to struggle sometimes and take things personally. You know, I felt that that way. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I first started learning about personalities, it just began to open up a whole new world for me. 
mm-hmm. just really begin to understand, oh, that's why they are yeah. the way they are. So that kind of leads into our topic today, right? Uh, I, I began writing a book on the art of being a great conversationalist, right? And I, I've got still a long way to go. It's an area that I've really tried to work hard at to be a great conversationalist. I used to have some really bad habits, particularly when I was younger and I've worked very hard. You, um, and I know that uh, you always get embarrassed when I brag about you, but this is an area that I would say uh, that you really shine in. I, I think that you are truly a great conversationalist. And so this is something I just thought we could have a lot of fun talking about. And, um, you know, I came up with these 10 uh, types of people that can, that can actually ruin a conversation or mm-hmm. make a, a a conversation not as effective, mm-hmm. and uh, and we've we've looked at these together. Oh yeah, they're quite funny. Yeah, and I, and I got your approval. You're like yes, yes. <laughs> you got to finish that book. It's 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 truly a great book, and it's just it's so practical and it's funny, but it's just it's a real eye opener to make you think about the things that you do as well. And and by the way, you give me way too much credit, but I appreciate your compliment. <laughs> but I could say the same to you, and I've I've learned a lot from you about. Um, being a great conversationalist and being more purposeful mm. and uh, being a great listener and encourager. And those are really some of your real gifts. Well, I appreciate that. You know, maybe I should finish the book during COVID. There's no excuse not to finish the book. Yeah, during, uh, I, I would have to second that. Right so mm-hmm. yes, I, maybe I'll make that commitment right now on the podcast. <laughs> I'm going to finish, <laughs> finish that book and be a great. Now you're accountable for it. I'm accountable now to, to everyone that listens to this. So let's kind of walk into, you know, if anybody comes to our house, they're going to walk uh, up to our porch and on our wall, uh, uh, you were gracious enough to let me buy a sign that's hanging on our brick wall when you walk up to our porch. And I don't know how much you look at it, but do you remember what the sign says? Oh, I knew you were going to put me on the spot like that. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Go ahead. It's really my quote. You know, the other day, uh, uh, Nick and some guys, they ordered some pizza. And the Uber guy that came up, the Uber Eats guy came up to, to bring the pizzas. And I opened the door, and the first thing he said to me is, man, cool sign. Did he really? He did. He <laughs> loved it. He said, man, that's, that's great. great. He took a picture of the sign. He goes, man, that's a that's great awesome. quote. And it's a quote. And it's a quote that I think you and I strive to live by. And it's a quote that if people can success- successfully uh, live by this quote, they're going to be great conversationalists. And it says this, it says, speak in a way that people love to listen and listen in a way that people love to speak. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I love a quote that can mm-hmm. condense a fairly complex subject into just one or mm-hmm. two lines. So let's talk about the first part of that quote first before we get into these 10 bad habits. Uh, speak in a way that people love to listen. What does that what, what does that mean to you when you hear that part of the quote? Oh gosh, uh, you know, initially it makes me think um, one that you have to obviously be self aware that you know you you know when is too much and when to stop, mm. and just having some self control when it comes to you know the amount of words that you use and sometimes less is best, but. It's funny that you say that because I wrote down um, some points that I was reading from this uh, psychologist that I've been following out of Albuquerque, New Mexico, ironically. Um, his name is Nick Wignall. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. ever heard of him, but um, he was actually talking Shout about... Shout out to Nick if he listens to this podcast. Yeah, he's, he's a really interesting guy. He did yeah. his, his training at Southwestern Medical in Dallas, and he has a family and kiddos in Albuquerque. But 
he was talking about um, some of the habits that people that are self-aware, you know, possess. And um, one of the things that he was talking about is um, listening more than you than you speak, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think that, you know, the key to that quote to me is the second part, even though the first part's important. But to me, yeah. the second part really kind of overshadows the the first the first part because, really, I think being effective at relationship number one comes from being able to really listen. Yeah. And, what, and what does that really mean, being a good listener? You know, I think that everybody talks about that, but what does it really mean to to actually um, succeed in that? Yeah, I think listening in a way that people love to speak is such an important skill. And I know for me that the times that, you know, you and I, we like to let other people talk. We mm-hmm. try very hard. And yet when we're speaking, when I meet somebody who really gives me the floor to speak, mm-hmm. what they do well, and I can think of some friends that are really good at this, but what they do is they ask great follow-up questions. They, they want me to go deeper with my thought. They want me to expand on what I just said. And they really convince me that they're interested. Mm-hmm. They're not just saying it. Mm-hmm. Like they really are listening as if they're truly interested in what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And it just, it encourages me. It makes me love to speak. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I'm saying something that they truly are getting some value from. Right. And I think that's one of the most important skills for the second half of that quote. You know, in the first half, speaking the way that people love to listen. Uh, you and I both know this. I mean, how many times have we talked to somebody that they're going on and on about something that you just literally have almost no interest in? Mm-hmm. And they're going to a level of detail about things that mm-hmm. really are unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And you're just, you know, you're because you're so kind, you're just listening and just kind of going through it. But really, you're enduring it. Right. And the reality is learning to speak in a way that people love to listen is to stay interesting. Yeah. You know, stay honest. You know, Brene Brown talks a lot about vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Vulnerability when you're communicating is a very powerful tool to get mm-hmm. somebody mm-hmm. to really... Uh, listen to what you're saying because it's not very common, is it? Mm-mm. I mean, when you think about that, talking to people, how common is vulnerability and real authenticity when people speak? Right, right. I don't think it is. And I think I think the key um, and the central thing of what you're saying is it comes down to being able to really connect with the person that you're talking to. And you can't really do that unless, one, you're talking about something that is relevant to the other person. And like you said, they feel like they're being heard and connected with. Um, they're not talking about random things that they're, you know, neighbor's neighbor is doing, right? Not that there's not a time for that, but just a real awareness of, one, the other person's time, the valuable aspect of their time, and really knowing what does it mean to really connect on a real emotional level with another person. I don't mean getting sappy and getting emotional. I mean, there's a difference between getting emotional with a person and emotionally connecting with a person. Absolutely. No doubt about it, right? That connecting is so important. Mm-hmm. You know, when uh, obviously when COVID wasn't around, I was traveling a lot. I was flying every week someplace. And it was really interesting to meet the people that were easy to talk to on the plane mm-hmm. and the majority that weren't. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not a criticism necessarily because everybody's different, but there were some people that were just very easy for me mm-hmm. to talk to because you because I felt like I connected with them and they connected with me. Mm-hmm. And I can remember just a handful of times doing three, four hour flights going to, to Philadelphia or going to Newark, New Jersey or wherever I'm going and sitting next to somebody that was just so enjoyable to talk to. So I'm curious, what was the common thread in those experiences that were the most enjoyable? I would say, honestly, I would say it was a mutual interest. 
that they had just as much of a curiosity about mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. as I had about them. And there was a sense where we were both trying to know more about the other. Mm-hmm. And yet both people were still, we were both still disclosing ourselves to them. So it wasn't like it was an interview, which we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. We're both disclosing information about mm-hmm. ourselves, but we were just as curious about the other. Mm-hmm. And it was just a really enjoyable kind of mm-hmm. give and take. Mm-hmm. And then, well, what about you? I mean, what do you think about that? And then it was just really nice, easy conversation. It would make a three-hour flight honestly feel like about a 45-minute mm-hmm. flight. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, we're landing already. Mm-hmm. So we want to talk about some basic things that can really get in the way of a, of a great conversation. And hopefully as people listen to this, they kind of evaluate each one of these, look at it for themselves. Um, and look, we all do these to some degree. Mm-hmm. The question is, do any of these define us? As communicators that's the key right and so so the first one which is one of my favorites right as it's called the piggybacker right the piggybacker and uh, you know what the piggybacker is share a little yeah. bit about what that one is oh goodness we joke about this one all the time because you encounter it so often and we're guilty as well but and when you catch yourself doing it oh it feels terrible the piggybacker is the classic one-upper you know, you tell them about something that you did or you're going on vacation and they say, well, wait a minute, let me tell you about what I did or let me tell you about my story. And they don't allow you to really fully share your experience because they so want to tell you about theirs. And yeah. so it kind of creates this this, um, this stop, right, in the ability to connect with that person because, one, the first person feels like they weren't heard, right, or appreciated for what they're trying to share and their own excitement. And it's just kind of an annoying habit that people do. And, you know, part of that's because they're excited. They think it's a way to connect. Let me tell you what I did. This is the way to connect. But ironically, it's really not because you feel kind of like they didn't even care what you were saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's so easy to do. It's an attempt at, at, at trying to show commonality. Mm-hmm. If somebody says they're excited because they're about to go to London and then you've, you say, oh, my gosh, I love London. In fact, when I went, we went for three weeks and went up into Scotland and spent, and all of a sudden yeah. you take, you piggyback off of their experience. Yeah. And all you do then is talk about your experience as opposed to right. really allowing them, like you just said, to uh, enjoy talking about the excitement of their mm-hmm. upcoming experience mm-hmm. or of the experience they just had. Right. It's very common, isn't it? Or even worse, they kind of poop on you, whatever you did, and say, oh, you think that's cool. Wait till you hear this. Yeah, that's right. right. And it can happen not just with uh, exciting things. It can happen with mm-hmm. if you go to somebody and say something like, you know, you've really been having a hard time. Maybe it's something going on yeah. with your kids. Maybe it's something whatever. Yeah. And somebody, rather than listening and yeah. just saying, hey, tell me more about that. Yeah. What, what do they end up doing? Well, at least it's not this. At least it's not this. At least it's not cancer. Right. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. You know, yeah. I, I, I went through that too. Or me too. Yeah. Right. And they, what they do is they begin talking about themselves. And all of a sudden, everything they say, there's a... Uh, Communication theorists call it self-referential communication. Mm-hmm. That everything that you, you say ultimately is self-referenced. Mm-hmm. You know, I go back to me. Mm-hmm. As, and that's okay, isn't it, sometimes mm-hmm. to eventually mm-hmm. go back mm-hmm. to you. But mm-hmm. what do you want to make sure that you do before you start talking about your experience? Spend the appropriate time talking to them about theirs, asking questions. And, you know, it's funny that you say that because I was just thinking about um, this whole topic, preparing for this podcast. And I think one of the things when it comes to serious topics, not so much the vacations and that sort of thing, but when it comes to serious topics, I think sometimes people don't know how to just be in the silence 
it's uncomfortable, especially if someone's going through some kind of suffering or illness or disease. And because you feel uncomfortable in the silence, you feel the need to talk. And so the most natural thing to do is talk about whatever it is that you went through or whatever it is that you're going through. Or maybe, yeah, but it could be worse instead of just being still and listening and just being silent and allowing the time for that person to finally say something else. No doubt about it. This was uh, one of mine that was really, I was really bad about this, particularly when I was younger, because, you know, being an expressive on the social styles model or uh, being a seven on the Enneagram, right, or uh, being a high I on the disc. Right. These are all those indicators of a person who's a very tele-assertive mm-hmm. uh, communicator. They love to talk. They're, they're full of energy and life. And so it truly is an attempt to connect with people, but you steal the show. You, mm-hmm. you take away the opportunity for them to really know that you really are interested in what they're talking about. So people just need to be aware of that, right? The piggybacker, mm-hmm. catch yourself. You know, when I've talked about the piggybacker, I love when I get emails and text messages and people tell me, oh my gosh, Walter, I am such a piggybacker. <laughs> and just by being aware of the yeah. concept sometimes is enough to catch yourself when you do it. Yeah. Right? Have you ever caught yourself? You oh, it? yeah, all the time. We're all piggybackers. Yeah. I mean, at some point or the other, we're all piggybackers. It's just some are more frequent. Some are more right. So, so once you do it, yeah. once you catch yourself, you just got to stop and pivot. Yeah. Okay. And then go, oh, let me make it, you know, go back to the. Yeah. Recognizing to, it is the key, right? That's right. The second one that's a really interesting one is what I call the wanderer, right? The wanderer. Mm-hmm. And, and again, boy, this one's easy to guilty. do. <laughs> if there's one you are guilty of, you've told yeah. me this is the one that you, once you explain the wanderer, what are they yeah. doing while the person is talking? Thinking about 500 other things. And they really want to listen to what you're saying. It's just, you know, I'm a six Enneagram. And so my tendency is to be very internal process oriented. And I'm always thinking about something always. Right. Yep. And so I'm very easily distracted. And so the, the, the wanderer or the six is easily distracted. And so you're talking to them maybe about something really important. And I'm thinking about how I need to go fold some laundry or what I need to do tomorrow, you know? And so, but what does that do when I'm not communicating to you that I'm actively listening? And you do that occasionally with me as well. Yeah. But what does it communicate to it the other you, person? It makes the other person feel like what they're saying isn't of any value or mm-hmm. any interest. Like mm-hmm. You're not paying attention. Mm-hmm. Especially if the other person comes back and says something that you just got through telling them, mm-hmm. you know they're not paying attention. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're talking about. Sometimes it's easy yeah. just to wander, let yeah. your mind drift. Even if you're looking at somebody, it's almost like you're looking through them because you're not really paying attention. Yeah. Which really highlights the fact that to be a great conversationist requires real focus mm. and intentionality, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Yes, it does. Because I think you can also be actively listening to someone and you can hear what they're saying and you can even spout it back to them, but you're not, you're not listening with your body language. So you might be either on your phone or you're looking out the window or you're looking at the person walking by, which we're all guilty of, we're human. But I do think there's something to be said when you feel like someone is really listening to you and they're listening to you with their body language as well. Yeah, absolutely. More than ever, uh, it does not take long to sit at a table, uh, dinner, lunch with somebody, phones are out, and it's very easy for the wanderer to take over because mm-hmm. they're distracted. They're trying to multitask, and mm-hmm. we've experienced this. And you know, you and yeah. I kind of have tried to have a rule when you and I have dinner or go to lunch. Yeah. Unless it's really away. important, we just put our phones away or we turn them upside down because we don't want to have this distraction 
from our conversation that we're trying mm-hmm. to have with each other. Mm-hmm. Conversations are hard enough mm-hmm. all by themselves, mm-hmm. much less having things that easily distract you from mm-hmm. the conversation. Mm-hmm. So that's the second one. So we got the piggybacker, we got the wanderer. The third one, boy, this one's a real joy, the Ooh. dictator. Yeah. You know, the dictator. This is the person yeah. who is, you know, always, you know, <laughs> thinks, you know, they're always telling you what you need to do. Let me tell you what you need to do. Right. Yeah. And well, which isn't always bad, but <laughs> maybe well, it could be said a different way. Yes, that's right. Kind of make a suggestion. They're, they're just, they're just yeah. rigid, aren't they? Yeah. There's an inflexibility. There's a rigidity, yeah. a dogmatism. Mm-hmm. You know, you tell them something and they immediately go into dictator mode about what you ought to do. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what does that not allow for when somebody is that dictator in the conversation? Mm-hmm. What doesn't, it doesn't allow for what? Um, I think it's hard for them to hear feedback from other people. I think it's hard for people to feel safe to give them maybe a different perspective or a different opinion. And, uh, and they have a real fixed mindset about things. And yeah. so change is tough for all of us, but right. you know, in particular, bad habit. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking, I won't obviously say their name, but I know somebody that uh, is a dictator. And mm-hmm. I am reluctant sometimes to share a challenge or mm-hmm. a difficulty or mm-hmm. an issue because I already know what's coming my way. Yeah, the they're iron gonna, wall. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. going to flat out just tell me what I need to do. Yeah. They're not going to probe. Mm. They're not going to they're not going to appreciate and uh, mm-hmm. the limits of their own thinking. Mm-hmm. Right? They they think that on just a little bit of information they can immediately tell somebody what they need to do. Mm-hmm. And you know, it may look confident, it may look bold. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, the dictator does not really create enough room for two people in a conversation. Mm-hmm. And it's tough. So, you know, if you're a dictator, mm-hmm. look, dictators can oftentimes be drivers, mm-hmm. right? They can be that, that hard-driven mm-hmm. person that's just fact-based and very tele-assertive mm-hmm. type people. They've got to be careful, right? Yeah, I think they can come across unintending but condescending, you know, because their way is always the right way. And it kind of forfeits the per- the other person's ability to make a decision that they might make a great decision on their own if they're just given some time and maybe some feedback and perspective from another person. Yeah. And then that person can still make their own choice. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, the, in the workplace, it's easy for a person to think that the dictator model is a way of displaying confidence and mm-hmm. certainty and that's going to give me strength. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the reality is when yeah. you meet somebody who really knows how to take their time to ask questions and to mm-hmm. probe mm-hmm. before they make recommendations or provide mm-hmm. any sort of counsel, you realize, wow, that's strength. Mm-hmm. A person who's patient before they give counsel or advice so true. or recommendations. So we want to be aware of that. And how many times in classes, in social style classes, have we had the drivers, <clears throat> the drivers kind of celebrate when they get identified as a driver? Yeah. Because yeah. of that reason. They yeah, think they love that it's... It. Yeah, yeah, strength, which it is, but it is strength. Yeah, not without its deficiencies. No doubt about it. So that's the dictator. The fourth one, uh, which I think is interesting um, and can be aggravating, is is oh, the yes. fire hydrant. Oh, this is a tough one for me. Yeah, the, talk <laughs> about the fire hydrant just for a second. What, when you talk to a fire hydrant, what is that? You run from the them when you see them in the grocery store. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> why, why is that? Uh, the fire hydrant is just so maximizing. They're just so, they take up so much space around them, you know, because they, they, 
they talk so much that they don't even give the other person any space to, to say anything, or, or at least they wait so long before they give a, a, a break in the, in the conversation for the other person to be able to respond. Um, but it's really tough. It's tough for me to be around this person because they lack so much self-awareness of how they're coming across to the other person. Yeah, they're almost always <clears throat> super nice, aren't they? Super yeah, nice super people. sweet. A lot of times very expressive, which is why that's kind of their comfort zone is just right. the waterfall of words. Just just a natural talker. Mm-hmm. But there's again, mm-hmm. they don't create enough room for two people in the conversation. Mm-hmm. You typically know uh, a fire hygiene when they call you and you look at the phone <laughs> and you take a deep breath because you don't know if you have that much time to answer the phone. Oh, that's so true. Right. And we all know yeah. that. We know people like yeah. that. You know, I remember yeah. without saying names, I had to have a conversation with somebody who was a dear friend of mine that was a fire hydrant. And I had to talk to them about this. I remember mm. I met them at, on the border. And I, was com- I, I finally was committed to share with them after years of knowing them that I feel like you don't take enough time to take an interest, mm. you know, and, and me. And whenever I need to get off the phone, you just go on and on and on and you don't stop. Mm-hmm. And it's aggravating. And if you're mm-hmm. doing it to me, I can only imagine you're doing it to so many other people. And it was tough for them. It was very tough mm-hmm. for them to hear that feedback because typically fire hydrants are sensitive to people. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons they talk so much is because they're wanting to create a positive energy mm-hmm. and, and to be fun and just mm-hmm. over-communicate. And the word that you use is exactly right, right? They, they overly maximize mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the conversation. Mm-hmm. So for them, what would be one tip you would give a fire hydrant for them to begin improving themselves? What's the one thing you would say for them to try to really work on? It's very simple. I would say, listen more than you speak. Yeah. Just try to start practicing that habit to listen more than you speak, which is probably really hard for us for a really highly expressive person to do. Yeah, no doubt. I've got a, a rule called the 4Q rule. You're right, you're, what, is, <laughs> what does 4Q stand for? Four questions. Four you gotta questions. ask four questions. That rule yeah. was. Bo- I wrote rule. that in my about that in my first book. That rule was born out of a coaching session that I had with a fire hydrant, mm-hmm. and after multiple sessions of me barely being able to get a word in edgewise, and I was the coach, and yet I could barely get a word in edgewise. I finally realized I needed this person to become more aware of how much they were just dominating. The time. Mm-hmm. I mean, out of a 55 minute mm-hmm. coaching session, I would say easily 45 to 45 to 47 minutes of it was them just talking. Mm-hmm. And I came up with the 4Q rule and I challenged them don't let a single conversation go by where you don't ask at least four questions. And that was tough for them. They admittedly said to me how challenging and difficult that was for them. Mm-hmm. And they, had, they didn't know why. Mm-hmm. And I said, it's because you're mm-hmm. not a good listener. Mm-hmm. And so the fire hydrant really mm-hmm. has to work on that impulse, don't they? Mm-hmm. And reinforced habits. I think it's reinforced habits. No one's ever said, hey, you know what? You're a fire hydrant. So nobody, they don't know. Yeah, we don't want right. to hurt their feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The next one is almost the, is practically the opposite, mm-hmm. right? This is the fortress. And you and I can think of fortresses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the fortress, you know, what is the purpose of a fortress? Well, mm-hmm. they are. It's defense. It's self-defense and self-protection, right? Mm-hmm. So what is the fortress really all about when people are trying to talk to them i think the fortress has a really hard time talking about themselves and this is tough too right they talk all about you they ask you all the questions and they want to know what you're struggling with but they very rarely want to talk about their own struggles 
and they don't want to let you in. So I think that uh, the fortress has a harder time with being vulnerable. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I think that's a perfect description, Stacey. Mm -hmm. I think that that is the person who vulnerability and honesty is hard for them. Mm -hmm. uh, for, it could be a variety of reasons, mm -hmm. but they just don't feel comfortable talking mm -hmm. about themselves, whether it's self-protection. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the price that you pay for that is what? What happens over time when you, when you live like the fortress? What is the price you pay? I think that you limit yourself in the depth of relationship that you can experience. I think that people have a harder time with trust um, because they don't know, one, if you're real, do you ever struggle? If you do, you don't talk about it. And why don't you trust me to talk about it? And so I think that, you know, you don't have that reciprocal building of vulnerability in a relationship and trust, right? Because that's what's required, I think, to build trust is just true reciprocal vulnerability. Yeah, that's right. They miss out on that mm -hmm. because now you may know me, mm -hmm. but, but mm -hmm. I don't know you. And to me, you see. There's no and to me, you see. Yeah, so, yeah say intimacy. that again because that's such a great way of understanding yeah. what intimacy is. What, how did you say that? And to me, you see. Yeah. So to be intimate with someone, you have to be willing to let them see inside of you. And so yeah. if you're a fortress, it's really hard to to allow people to see inside of you. It's yeah. too scary. It's that's you great. Know, a number of that. reasons. But. And to me, you see. And yet the practice of letting people in is so mm -hmm. um, uh, frightening for some people. Mm -hmm. I don't want either because I think no one would be interested. Mm -hmm or because I just frankly don't like myself enough mm -hmm. that, I, that I don't want to share, you know, so I'm going to, or it might be that I you. think that yeah, I, I need to, it's weakness to be vulnerable or it's weakness or it's complaining, you know, to be vulnerable or share struggles. I think some people want to, yeah. they start to, and then they kind of take it back because, Oh, it's, it's ridiculous or, Oh, it's, you know, so yeah. I think it's a number of reasons. Yeah, so that's the fortress. You know, there are people who um, struggle with that. So really challenging them. Hey, take that next step of self-disclosure. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about what, what's going on and share more about yourself with others. The next one is uh, the, the real joyful uh, one, the, the know-it-all. You know, the know-it-all. This is the person, like, how would you describe the know-it-all? Sounds pretty obvious, but what is the know-it-all? The know-it-all always seems to have the answer, always seems to have the solution for everyone, for themselves, but particularly for, for other people. Um, I think a classic response from the know-it-all when you're sharing something, maybe it's something you've learned or some insight you've had, rather than, even if they already know it, they, they kind of do that classic response of, mm, yeah, mm -hmm, yeah, I shake, you know, that whole, head nodding like they already know it and i'm so glad you've finally been been enlightened right right rather than just being teachable and maybe they could learn something from what you're saying even if they've already known it for 10 years you know yeah. it's just a lack of humility i think is i think that's it it's a lack of humility mm -hmm. that there's there's they just don't want people to think they don't know something mm -hmm. when i've dealt with know-it-alls it's interesting i will go ahead and challenge the know-it-all because they'll say <laughs> They'll act like, oh yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, oh yeah, oh yeah, and they'll act like they already mm -hmm. know everything that I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So then I'll maybe quote from a book, and they'll say, oh yeah, yeah. I'll say, yeah. I mean, tell me about that book. What did you think was the best part of that book? And they'll say, well, I didn't really read the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's been so long since I read it. Go ahead and tell me. <laughs> you know, and you have to just kind of pierce that a little bit yeah. to let them know. Uh, but honestly, that's more of a uh, an unfair kind of tactic. Really, what you want to do if you really have a relationship with them 
is to try to be honest with them. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, sometimes I feel like whatever I say, you kind of, you know, act like you already know everything I'm talking about. And so it makes yeah. it difficult for me to really share with you because yeah. I don't feel like you're really all that teachable. That's hard mm-hmm. feedback to give somebody. Yeah. You've got to have a real relationship with them. But it, because if somebody is a know-it-all, it is a problem. Mm-hmm. It's really mm-hmm. hard to be around a know-it-all because, like you said, there's mm-hmm. very little teachability to mm-hmm. them. They're never asking questions. Yeah, so it reminds me, we've had this conversation recently with someone, maybe another couple, but we were talking about just the aspect of curiosity and how if you can just be curious mm-hmm. in your relationships just the effectiveness that that has and that would apply to a know-it-all yeah even if you know it i think there's still just an aspect that uh, of curiosity that you could still display and maybe you learn something that you didn't know but it's just so hard to do that in our pride yeah 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 and know-it-alls can actually ask questions but they ask questions because they already know the answer or they think mm-hmm. they do mm-hmm. and they just want to see if you know the answer. They just want to hear themselves talk about it. They just want to hear themselves talk, right. You combine a know-it-all with the fire hydrant, and you need to run like the Dickens. <laughs> because that is, that is going to be... That makes for a lousy dinner. That <laughs> makes for a lousy dinner. You know, we go to the next one now, and this one is really interesting, mm. because this is a really fun person. But, man, it's hard to really go deep with them, right? This is the mm-hmm. Joker. Mm-hmm. What is the Joker mm-hmm. always doing? Mm-hmm. cracking jokes always making funny out of everything it can be a serious moment and yet a joke is brought in Um, I think it's hard for the joker to um, deal with pain Mm. and so it's their way of deflecting it and so they that's just their kind of default mechanism yeah that's right Uh, I'm the joker I can Mm -hmm. this is an area for me that I've got to really be aware of because uh, I just love to crack jokes. Sometimes if it's serious for too long, I'll try to create some levity mm-hmm. and try to make a joke when the reality is in that moment, uh, maybe no levity is needed. Mm-hmm. You know, Maybe what's needed is just the heaviness of the moment. Mm-hmm. And I just have this natural desire to make somebody feel better. Mm-hmm. So at some point, I'll say something kind of funny just to get a smile out of it. Mm-hmm. And it's not a great thing to be able to, not mm-hmm. a great thing to do. Now, being a joker is okay. I mean, I think sometimes it works. I think levity is nice and it's an attractive quality. I think it's just, it takes a real discernment on when the time is appropriate to, to use a joke in a moment of seriousness. And I think that, you know, you have to be really wise about when that time is. No (laughs) doubt about it. Good luck. Look, and if you're a joker and maybe it's not cracking jokes, maybe it's sarcasm. Mm -hmm. There are people who they, they, they drip with sarcasm, everything. And they think it's funny Mm -hmm. and maybe, one or two times you kind of laugh because it's kind of funny mm-hmm. but the reality is over it's time mm-hmm. it's a beating yeah right because everything is negative anything everything is cynical everything is sarcastic yeah and and even sometimes the sarcasm can be biting mm-hmm. have you ever been around somebody like they mm-hmm. they just oh, yeah, hit it's, hurt, the it's bell? hurtful sure yeah and it will erode a relationship I mean, it will erode a relationship eventually if that's all the relationship consists of yeah no doubt about it so that's the joker uh, the next one, I, I've always joked this next one, if you have mm. lunch with them, it's the longest hour <laughs> of your life. We've all had those lunches. Oh, man. <laughs> That's right. This is the silent yeah. type, right? This is the silent yeah. type. Talk about the silent type for a minute. We we know the silent types, mm-hmm. right? Well, what is mm-hmm. the silent type like? You know, the silent type is typically a pleasant person and and uh, usually quiet and sweet and amicable and and 
easy to get along with. So they're not really problematic, except it's just very hard to have a conversation with them. And if you do have a conversation, it's typically you spending 30 minutes to an hour over lunch just trying to think of question after question to draw them out. And you might even find out something meaningful and have a, you know, a good experience, but it's very one-sided. And so you end up leaving and literally the conversation was all about that person. And sometimes that's needed, you know, especially in times of crisis or heartache or, you know, life struggles. But if you had that on a repeated basis with someone, you know, it becomes very difficult because there's no relationship. It's really just you getting to know them. And so I think there's a real lack of awareness. I really think those people oftentimes have no idea that they're the silent type. They have no idea that they haven't asked you a question until you bring it to their attention, which most people don't, right? Right. I totally agree. If there was one skill to help them, it would have to be practicing assertiveness, Mm -hmm. right? Taking the initiative Mm -hmm. in conversation. When I've worked with silent types, they'll say to me, Walter, sometimes I frankly just don't know what to say. Yeah, I think that's true. So I've come up with this acronym, and it really is because of you, I've come up with this acronym that I give yeah, people who are so silent good. types, and it's called WIFE. <laughs> it's the WIFE method for the silent type. This is for somebody who isn't really sure, mm-hmm. what do I talk about to somebody that I just meet, mm-hmm. or to somebody over lunch? And it basically st- uh, stands for talk about a person's work, mm-hmm. ask them how work is going, what are you doing, right? Mm-hmm. I talk about their interests, right? What do they enjoy doing? Mm-hmm. What, maybe they like to golf, maybe they like to read, maybe... They, Whatever it is, mm-hmm. talk about their family, mm-hmm. and then talk about entertainments. Talk mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. you know sports. Talk about a movie you saw. There's so many things. So if somebody right. just has this, this kind of framework to help them think about what to talk about, it can really it help a them lot. a lot. And I've had people tell me, you know, I've used yeah. that life method, and yeah. man, it's, it's amazing how many things I can talk about just by thinking about those four major categories. That's a great tool. That's a a really great tool. And I think that oftentimes for this personality type, if you're this type, you know, it really comes sometimes just from an insecurity and just a fear, you know, maybe it's a social anxiety or it's just a confidence issue or um, it's just, you know, it's a discomfort for you to conversate with people that you don't know, especially in settings. If you go to a wedding and you're having a mingle and that sort of thing, that can be really uncomfortable for people. But yeah. I think even if you don't remember the entire WIFE acronym, because if you're like me, I'm like, okay, what was it again? I forget. <laughs> I got the first two letters down. But, you know, if you, if you could remember a couple of them, it, yeah. would, it would help tremendously just to have kind of a plan. Okay, I'm going to ask them at least these two questions. And then naturally, it, you know, the conversation begins to kind of unfold and it becomes easier. But yeah. Yeah, I remember back when uh, I was in high school and early college, whenever I would talk to girls. Um, sorry. <laughs> Which was never a problem. Yeah, well, what I would well, do maybe, is on maybe the, the phone, I would actually write on a piece of paper two or three questions that I'm going to make sure to ask them because the one thing I was scared to death of over a phone conversation was silence. So I always wanted to have something ready to <laughs> go so to cute. Cute. That's so you. <laughs> To, yeah, to because yeah. you know, to me, I was such a natural talker. But just in case there was, uh, I ran out of something. I wanted to have something ready to go. It's a little bit like the wife method. Have that, yeah. have that template ready to go. Yeah. If you need that, if you're the kind of person that needs some help, it's a great little tool. Yeah. Well, this leads us to our ninth one now, and uh, <laughs> I would say if there is one other one that maybe you might fall into at times. Me, you. <laughs> I would say us. <laughs> It's the interviewer. It's a learned behavior. Yeah, it's the interviewer. What does the interviewer do? 
What are they so busy doing? Asking questions. Just one after the other, after the other, after the other. Right. Yeah. And it's just, bam, it's like a... It's and sometimes like a, it's, it's out of just pure curiosity. It is. It is. But it's like a Gatlin gun, right? It's just, you know, bam, bam, yeah. bam. You got now seven, yeah. eight, nine yeah. questions. And sometimes a person can feel like, whoa, yeah, what's up much. with all the questions? Yeah. It's too much. Yeah. So you've got to break it up with. Now, if they're not asking a question back, then you just have to now self-disclose and offer. Yeah. You know, you can answer one of your own questions. Yeah, you know, this is what I think about that. And then you can talk yeah. about it. But the interviewer oftentimes is the person who's perfectly content to not talk about themselves, mm -hmm. but to ask mm -hmm. a lot of questions of the other person. And if the other person's an introvert, it can come across as kind of threatening and just, like you said, too much. It's overwhelming. Maybe yeah. this is where silence comes in, just the practice of silence and letting the person have an opportunity to ask you a question back, which yeah. I probably am guilty of sometimes. Sometimes you got to create the space to yeah. give them a chance to ask back, right? But you're always so interested in what they're saying that you ask that next question right away. And I can yeah. do that too. In fact, sometimes, you know, I can, to this day, I can be so about, you know, wanting to know more about them. Uh, and I've got to be careful mm -hmm. because sometimes it can be, they're not ready for that. Mm -hmm. right? They're not ready mm -hmm. to be known that mm -hmm. quickly. Mm -hmm. And so you got to keep it light. You got to keep it casual. But it's a great skill to have, the ability to ask a lot of questions, yeah. because ultimately that's how you really get to know somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. but we want to be careful. Mm -hmm. And finally, the last one, number mm -hmm. 10, the dark cloud. Guilty. <laughs> well, you know, the dark cloud is such an interesting person because this is the person that whenever you do talk to them, how are they doing? Mm, they're all right, but... A lot of stress, yeah. a lot going on. You know, it's oftentimes it's the glass is half full kind of, you know, mentality. Or half empty. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, ha yeah half empty. Yeah. yeah. The glass is half empty. The glass is half empty, sadly. Yeah. It's kind so, of the, the Eeyore. It's, it's Eeyore, they, right? They have a harder time with joy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like they're, str they're struggling with their kids. You know, they're struggling with their health. They're struggling. You know, you've heard about their back for the 19th time, right? They're always talking about what's difficult. And they're just, you know, it's just overwhelmed. Their hair's always on fire. Yeah. And that's always when you, you just know when you talk to them yeah. that you just want to say, could we try to have one conversation where you just focus on the positive? You focus on what's good, mm -hmm. right? What's great mm -hmm. right now? Mm -hmm. And a great question to ask somebody who's the dark cloud, and I do this pretty often. I'll ask a person, hey, what's the best thing right now? What's what's great right now in your life? <laughs> you do that to me when I'm complaining about numerous things around the house, <laughs> right? I don't know if you remember, you and I one morning, yeah. I said, hey, I got an idea. Hey, let's have a no blame, no complain day. <laughs> I lasted about 30 seconds. I lasted about 30 seconds. And I think yeah, you broke a nail or something. Going, oh my gosh, I just broke hate my that. nail. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really guilty of this one. I have to really keep working and growing on this one. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, because, you know, it's one thing. People want to know what, that we're, you know, mm -hmm. hey, I'm overwhelmed here. I've got a lot of stress in my life. We're not saying that that's not appropriate. Obviously, mm -hmm. that's how people get to know each other. But there are people who live there. Yeah. Right? That is their world. Yeah. And it can be really frustrating to people to have to want to have a long conversation because it's just one long complaint. Right. A lot of times. I think, and it's that fine balance between you want to be authentic. Obviously, you can't walk around acting like you know the sun is glorious when you've got something really serious going on that's really painful. But I guess it's just when it completely overshadows your everyday. Right. Um, 
you know, so when you see people that are really able to find joy in spite of real hardship, real suffering, and we know people, right, that, yeah. that do somehow are able to um, kind of emulate that. It's very admirable. And, uh, and, and it's doable. It's just, yeah. you know, it's more challenging, I think, for, for some. It's a mindset that they have. They've learned to create a mindset, mm-hmm. haven't they? Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, you know, when I look at you, I, I get a lot of pride when I talk to people who tell me how much they enjoy talking to my wife because you are such a good listener and you, you um, offer uh, great things to them. You ask great questions. You take a real interest. And you're just one of those easy people to talk to. And that's, I take a lot of pride in that. That's very sweet. And you want to say, have you seen her Eeyore? (laughs) (laughs) No, I've never, I've never said that. I know you want to. No, 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 I've never said that. But you know, the reason we walk through these is because I think that the the more people work on these things and get Mm -hmm. better at these things, Mm -hmm. the better life becomes. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, Mm -hmm. if if you're in a relationship, you're just better Mm -hmm. because now you are, really offering something more substantial, richer. Mm-hmm. I mean, professionally, being able to have great conversations, wouldn't that help a person in their professional work? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, there's there's so many advantages to to understanding this and really taking the time to do the introspective work about it. I think if you're not really doing introspective work and you're not really curious about why I behave the way that I behave, then you can't even begin to change it. So I think you have to be willing to do that, right? And you have to be willing to see your shortcomings and these kind of emotional um, uh, habits that you have that are blind spots. You know, we all have them. And then asking for feedback from people to tell you honestly, you know, which is scary because nobody wants to hear the bad news. Nobody wants to hear, hey, you know, this is something that you do that really isn't very attractive or you know you're kind of gloom and doom stop doing that all the time you know and it's hard to hear that and so do you do I want to ask people for honest feedback I mean you give it to me whether I ask for it or not so and I appreciate it because that's the only way I grow but you know I can't say that there's too many people that I ask directly hey can you give me some feedback about some things that you think I could do to really be a a healthier person how I could grow I mean I don't typically do that but you know, yeah. it's, and it's if there's anybody that, that would welcome it, you would. And so you can see the challenge yeah. to the average person. Like if yeah. you're not doing it, how much more is the average person not really going, hey, can you give me some feedback? Mm-hmm. Because I really want to be excellent. Mm-hmm. Right? That is the, mm-hmm. the whole purpose mm-hmm. of the Arate podcast, mm-hmm. the pursuit of excellence. Mm-hmm. And I want to be excellent at conversation. I want to be excellent at interpersonal engagement. And, and so that's why we walk through these things and we talk about these things because they really do have a real benefit in a person's professional life, mm-hmm. in their personal life. Because frankly, people love to engage people that are easy to talk to mm-hmm. and that they get value from. Mm-hmm. And each of these habits here, um, even though we all have elements of them at times, if any of these one or more define you, they are, they're going to hurt your mm-hmm. value. Mm-hmm. And you and I, we've done enough work with people to know that when we see these things, we know they're hurting them. Mm-hmm. It's hurting them. Mm-hmm. And so we want to be the kind of people that can give the feedback, but we also want to mm-hmm. be the kind of people that can ask for the feedback. So hopefully that's going to be something that encourages everybody who listens to the mm-hmm. podcast. You know, one of the things that you're really good at is um, giving feedback. And you have kind of this uncanny ability to give people really direct, honest feedback that they're able to hear And I think that one of the things that um, allows people to hear it so well is that you offer so much encouragement on the front end and you you have this balance that you have found somehow 
And so whether it's with me or a friend, you, you know, you always start out with encouraging them about the things that they're doing well and then following it with, you know, can I give you a few pointers? And that's something I think that is key if you're going to give feedback to someone is really being able to, and I don't mean blowing smoke up their skirt. I mean, truly giving real, authentic, specific encouragement to them. Um, I had this experience yesterday where I was talking to a friend. I told you about it, but I was talking to a girlfriend and and I gave her some pretty honest feedback about a podcast that she did recently um, or kind of a live thing that she did. And um, I maybe said one positive thing to her about it. And it wasn't actually feedback direct, directed at her, but it was it was feedback uh, in general about the podcast. And there were a couple of people on there together. And but I, what I realized this morning, I woke up and I had this feeling of just, I don't think I did that very well. I don't think that I really encouraged her before I said, hey, can I tell you what I think is kind of some constructive criticism? And so I thought about you and I thought about how good you are at that, you know, and how people keep coming back to you wanting to hear the truth because you do it so well. And so I called her actually on the way here because I just felt, I felt really convicted, you know, like I really kind of fouled that up. So I called her and just said, hey, you know, I just want to apologize if I, if I came across as critical and I don't feel like I really did a good job of encouraging you because this, this girl I love to listen to. She's one of my favorite people to listen to in the world and she's well-spoken and she's smart and she does a great job, but I didn't tell her any of that. I just Mm -hmm. said, Hey, what you did was great, but can I give you some feedback? And I just thought, you know, I don't know if that's a really good way to do it. And so it was kind of just a learning experience for me. And I think that um, for me, it's hard to do that anyway. And and then I, you know, I didn't do it in the way that I really think I could have. And so, but well, that is a great example, Stacy. <laughs> that is a great example of how a person grows. As yeah. You stopped, you processed, um, you were self-aware, and then you did something about it. You self-corrected. Yeah. And gosh, can you imagine if everybody took the time to go, man, how did I do? Yeah. I could have done that better. You know, I, I could have been more encouraging. Or, or how about the flip side? You're so encouraging, but you never give honest advice right mm-hmm. and making that phone call mm-hmm. hey you know what? i just i just wanted to let you know I, I felt like i focused so much on just encouraging you because you're so you really are great but i felt mm-hmm. like there was something i wanted to share and i didn't mm-hmm. and i think it I, it I feel like you would want me to share this mm-hmm. it could go both ways but the self-corrective nature mm-hmm. of it is what's important because we all need to continue to strive to get better yeah nobody is a perfect communicator nobody is perfect at yeah. conversation we all fall into these habits, yeah. right? So we're not talking about these because we, we've mastered no, them. No, we're, we no. We are just means. aware of them. Yeah. And so that's the point of this, is become aware of these things, self-correct, mm-hmm. and begin challenging yourself to get better. And if people do that, you and I both know they're going to experience mm-hmm. enormous dividends in the long run mm-hmm. in their professional their personal life. 100%. Yeah. And I just had an epiphany. So when you finish your book that you're going to finish before COVID-19 is over, no excuses. What about you have these 10 things that you don't want to be. So you come up with the 10 things that you do want to be when it comes to being a great communicator. You want to be an encourager. That's got to be one of the biggest ones. So take the flip side of each one of these Yeah, you want to be a great listener. You want to allow periods of silence. Or I don't know. I mean, we could go on and on, but you could come up with the other 10 Because we need to know what we need to do. We don't want to do these, but what do we need to do to be great communicators? Maybe we could just co-author and you could write that Okay. Part. Well, <laughs> we'll see about that, but yeah, sure. Anyway. I'll contribute. So it's a great conversation. As usual, love, uh, love talking, love going through the stuff mm-hmm. together. 
And uh, I think you always provide such great insights. Mm, so hopefully everyone stuff. that listens to this podcast takes the time to stop and evaluate and uh, to get some benefit out of this. Amen. All right. Great to see you again. You too. Thanks. Thanks.